Hi guys, and welcome back to the Juicy Deets podcast. I am so excited that I finally settled on a name for this podcast. I was going back and forth between like a few different options and this is the one that I like the most, so hopefully you guys like it too. So I think what I'm gonna do at the beginning of every podcast is just debrief like my week and just content that I've been loving, things that I've been doing. Um, it's the first week of October and October is my favorite month. Well, actually my second favorite month. My favorite month is April because that's my birthday month, but October is like a very, very, very close second. I don't know what it is, if it's like Libra season or if it's just the fact that I love the fall and I feel like October where I live is the perfect fall month before the snow starts falling when the leaves are turning and it's like a little bit cooler but it's not cold, you know? I also really love Halloween and just like not so much like going out for Halloween but just like spooky vibes. I've always been someone who's like very much into like serial killer podcasts and anything spooky adjacent so I just am very excited for October every year and I also feel like October is like a very productive month for me. Anyway, the first thing that I've been loving this week is going on regular walks. I've actually only gone on one so far but it is incredible the difference that going on regular walks makes for my mental health especially when it's getting colder and grayer outside and I kind of forget that it's actually nice enough to walk. Part of me does it for the health benefit of getting in like my zone 2 cardio but the bigger reason that I love this is it just makes me a happier person especially if I go with a friend. I really try to schedule most of my walks with friends so that I can catch up with them while also being productive about my health and getting in some movement and some outside light. I think walking with a friend is like one of my favorite adult things to do like in university I found I would mostly see my friends when I went out to dinner or if I was going out, but doing healthy hobbies with friends is, I think, one of my new favorite things, whether that's a workout class or just walking or going to the gym. It's just a lot more fun to do a healthy habit with a friend and then you're catching up with them, you're laughing, you're getting like your cute drinks, and it's just an all-in-one good time. So, if you don't schedule healthy habits with a friend, I highly recommend trying it. It's definitely worth doing at least like once or twice a week. I've also been loving protein oatmeal. I have been making baked oatmeal every single day for breakfast for probably the past two weeks. I put egg whites in it and you can get these egg whites in like a carton. I know it sounds really gross, but it makes the consistency of the baked oatmeal really, really, really good. And I also just like the fact that it gets protein in for me. I'm not a huge egg eater. Like, I don't really like the taste of eggs, but in the oatmeal, it's actually really good. I mean, you can't taste it, so it's perfect. And I have started making this oatmeal in advance, so I'll make two batches so that I only actually have to bake it every other day because it does take 20 minutes to bake and I can just heat it up instead the next day, which is really nice. I have a recipe for this on my Instagram, actually, and also on my TikTok, but I think it would be easier for you guys to find on my Instagram because it's saved in my recipe highlights. It's just a mashed banana, oatmeal, some coconut sugar, vanilla, cinnamon, almond milk and egg white and I absolutely am obsessed with it. I'm the kind of person that will like fixate on a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner. I fixate on mostly all foods and I will eat the same thing every single day for like six months. It's kind of crazy. I eat it until I'm sick of it and 
then I move on to something new. I love food, but I like my food to be kind of automated for breakfast and lunch so that I don't have to think about it because if it's not automated and easy, I just won't eat, which is kind of like not a good thing to say, but it's just true. So let me know if you guys try the baked oatmeal recipe. Tag me if you make it on your story because I just want to see if people like it and then I can post more recipes too for you guys. I honestly don't really have that many intro things to talk about. I kind of want to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, which is how to have a villain era. In my opinion, fall is the perfect season to have a villain era. Not only is it spooky season already, but you're also coming off of summer where I feel like we tend to focus very externally. What I mean by this is like you're probably partying with your friends, going out a lot more, eating out, doing things for other people, doing things for the bit, and you're having a lot of fun, but I think a season like summer always has to be followed by a season where you are more focused inwards on how to improve your life, on what your boundaries mean to you, and just on editing everything. And it's a really good time to do that before the new year so that you can be really clear on your goals and how to move forward for the next year of your life. I feel like excess party girl season always needs to be followed by villain era season. So I'm going to talk to you about what it means to have a villain era to me. Obviously, it can mean something totally different to you guys. That's totally fine. And if it doesn't resonate with you, definitely do what works for you here. But I did do some light research online. I kind of googled different ways to have a villain era and I took the tips that I liked. I also asked some of my friends what villain era meant to them because I just wanted to give you guys the best, well-rounded, most comprehensive list of ways to have your villain era that you could possibly find on the internet. So with that, let's get into it. So the first thing that I wanted to touch on is that you are not a villain for choosing you. I think it's really fun to call it a villain era. I absolutely love a villain. I'm a big Blair Waldorf, Catherine Pierce kind of girl, but I think also as women, we are conditioned from probably birth to choose everybody else and nurture everybody else and do things for everybody else. And you can be called things like selfish or bitchy when you are putting yourself first. And I think that that is not right? Like, we should all feel comfortable putting ourselves first because when we put ourselves first, we can shine and be better for our friends and our partners and our family. So, if you ever are made to feel bad for putting yourself first by anyone, definitely know that you're not doing the wrong thing and the person that is making you feel bad is probably just the kind of person that could benefit from you setting a boundary so that they are not expecting from you something that you're not able to give them. It's absolutely okay to not be able to give everyone everything they want from you. You're never going to be able to please everyone completely. You're never going to be able to make everybody happy. So, it's best to focus on making you happy and being there for your close people and the rest will come. I am personally of the opinion that if someone is a good, healthy person for you in your life, they will encourage you to put yourself first and be your own best friend and even if it means that they don't get exactly what they want from you when they want it, they will still encourage you to do your healthy habits and be in your routines and the people who encourage you to compromise your boundaries and the people who encourage you to choose them over yourself all the time are like not 
the right people to have in your life. Now, obviously, this doesn't apply to people who are going through it, who need your help. If you have a friend who's gone through a breakup or who really needs you at a certain time in their life, that is completely different than someone who is constantly asking you to do more and more and more for them without giving you anything in return. Because if your bestie is going through a breakup and you have to be there for her, you know that she would also do the exact same for you. So, the first thing that I have on my list is edit your life what works for you and what doesn't and who works for you and who doesn't and you kind of want to be unemotional about this. I am like a very emotional person when it comes to people and things and habits. I get attached to things really easily and I've had to learn in my life that it's okay to cut things out. It's okay to change. It's okay to grow and some things grow with you and some things you grow out of. So, for example, when I was more in my first couple years of university, I had a lot of going out friends and they were my best friends. My going out friends, I would party with them, I would go to get drinks with them, I would do all of these things with those friends and they became some of the most important people in my day-to-day -day life. And as I've gotten older, I've really struggled with the fact that I'm no longer prioritizing the same things that those people prioritize. And some of them have grown with me and we do different things now like go for walks and go for brunch and go to a workout class together but there are some people who still continuously want to go out late for drinks or always go to a happy hour or go out in general and drink all the time and for me that's not something I continue to prioritize in my life and I've kind of grown out of the partying stage like I still absolutely will go on the weekends or in the summer and live my my best life but especially in the fall and especially during the week I like to focus on habits that make me feel good so I realized that that drinking going out all the time stage was not something that was growing with me and benefiting me and I noticed that some of the people were also not growing with me and benefiting me and it's really hard because I have a hard time cutting people out and I don't necessarily think that I have to cut people out but I think it's more so so realizing the people that we just don't have a lot in common anymore and kind of easing them out slowly by replacing them with new, better habits. And I give people a chance to change with me and then if they don't, I sort of just try to see them less because if they're not adding to my life, it can be hard. Now, for me, I had to implement a three-strike rule with people and with habits habits that don't make me feel good. So, this goes back to being unemotional about it. So, what I said here is I want you guys to write down all of the things that you do, all of your habits, and I also want you to write down your closest people that you surround yourself with. And then I want you to methodically go through the list of habits and people, and I want you to think of the first thing that you feel when you see that habit written down or that person. And by feel, I mean like in your gut, you know? When you think of a habit like walking, how do you feel? For me, I feel excited, I feel happy, I feel calm. And then if you write down something like eating candy, for me, I feel kind of gross because candy makes me sick. I also feel a little bit excited because I love candy, but first, my first instinct is ew, you know? And I want you to do this with each person 
person, I want you to write down your first emotion that comes after you think of the habit or you think of the person. And then for the habits and people with only positive feelings, you can just keep those in your life. Like those are benefiting you, they're good. For the people and habits that have a more negative emotion attached to it, I want you guys to implement what I like to call the three strike rule. Basically, what you're going to do is you're going to continue living your life and doing these habits and seeing these people, but you're going to do it a little bit more consciously. So, you're going to note how you feel after each encounter. So, let's take a person, for example. If when you wrote down this person on your list, your first instinct when you saw their name was anxious, I want you to hang out with them like you normally would and and make plans, I often find that the people who are making us feel the worst are also the people we see the most because they demand the most attention. And so, you probably are going to see these people. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I just think that the energy vampires are really hard to, like, let go of. And so, you're going to see the person and you're going to know how you feel afterwards. If you feel great afterwards, then no strikes. That's good you can continue seeing them and just keep monitoring it. Because some people are going to be the kinds of people that sometimes they're going through it or sometimes they're not maybe at their best and so they don't make you feel good after seeing them, but most of the time they're great and like that's totally fine. It's the people that every time you see them you feel bad that you have to watch out for and that's where the three strike rule comes into play because if it happens three times in a row, I think that what we all need to collectively do is really realize that we don't need that in our lives. I'm the kind of person that grew up in a bit of a family environment where everybody sort of just talks to everybody, deals with everybody, even if they don't necessarily get along. And I think in a family situation, like, there are definitely benefits to that. But I also think that it kind of teaches you that you just have to put up with everyone and you kind of have no choice. But when it comes to friends or relationships or habits that don't serve you anymore, it's completely okay to sort of realize they don't serve you anymore and break up with them, so to speak. You really don't have to keep some thing in your life that isn't benefiting you and you also don't have to do it in a way that's like super final. Maybe you have a friend who you guys just aren't benefiting each other right now but in a year or two years or six months you will be on the same page again. So, if it makes you feel better, it's completely okay to just sort of take it slow and distance yourself for now and then come back to it. That's how I am with drinking. There are times in my life where I'm absolutely going out and getting after it and drinking because of it's fun, it's adding to my life, it's making me feel happier, and it's elevating my experience. But there are also times like recently where I've been feeling like every single time I drink, even if I'm not hungover, I'm just sort of like, why did I do that? I just didn't need to and I kind of, I don't regret it necessarily, but I'm just like, well, that was a waste of money and time when I could have just been sober and also still had fun. I'm really working on having fun sober, so that's another thing. But that doesn't mean that I I am not going to go out and drink in the future. It just means that for a month or two, I'm going to try to do it less or not at all, you know? And I think we sort of, as people, feel like everything needs to be super black and white where it really doesn't. Like, you can just not do something for a little while, see how it makes you feel, do it again, see how it makes you feel, and go from there. For me, having an almost analytical approach to this really helps 
to see what's working and what isn't working and that way I can make a plan for moving forward. So let me know if you guys like that idea and if you try it. I would love to see your guys's lists because we all have things that I feel like if someone else tells us, oh, I'm thinking I'm going to cut this out, we're like, oh, wait, maybe I should do that too. So maybe we can all do our lists together. Maybe I'll make a TikTok about it or something. So the next thing that I have written down that goes along with this is boundaries. The villain era is a boundary setting era and boundaries are something that I personally find really easy to set in my head. Like I know what I want the boundary to be and I kind of know what boundaries will benefit fit me, but I find them very, very hard to keep. And I sort of just know that I should set the boundary and then I don't act the way I should act with that boundary in place, if that makes sense. And then it's just confusing for everyone. So this is kind of my take on how to set a boundary. So first of all, you have to realize that it's going to be hard if you've never set boundaries to put them into place. But I also think you should realize that the people who resist your boundaries are most likely the people who would want to break them because they're the people that kind of take advantage of you. I think that the people who struggle with boundaries are kind of scared of setting them too because they're worried about how people are going to react because we're just inherently people pleasers. But you have to know that there are ways to set boundaries where you can do them softly almost. Like you don't have to have a super in-your-face boundary. You just have to have a very firm, kind boundary. And I also think that we have to realize that we don't have to approach a boundary in a fuck you kind of way. Like in a way of, oh, you don't treat me well. Screw you. I don't want you in my life anymore. I'm setting this boundary with these alligators and this moat. And if you cross it, the alligators will eat you. So don't even think about it kind of thing. We can sort of just put a little fence. Like we just need a door for our house so that people can't just walk in. We don't need a moat with an alligator. We just need a door. Yeah, I, I think I like that. And I've really talked to different therapists that I've had over the years about setting boundaries because it is something that overwhelms me. So if boundary setting is something that overwhelms you, just remember that it doesn't have to be this big, confrontational, scary thing. It can just be as simple as saying, hey, can we do this instead of doing that? So for example, if you have a friend who is your going out friend and you're trying to transition into waking up earlier, being more productive, and going out less, you could say, hey, I'm trying trying to go out a little bit less, would you mind if we go for a walk instead? Or you could even say something like, hey, I'm really trying to save money this month. Do you mind if we do this instead of going out for dinner? And this could be hanging out at your house or going for a walk, like I said, or anything that fits more into your schedule. This is almost like a cheat way of setting a boundary because you're not saying, I hate how much you like to go out, I don't like to go out anymore, and I don't think that we make a compatible friendship. You're saying, hey, I'm making this lifestyle change, do you mind if we do this in order to help me with it? And you kind of put it more onto you as opposed to onto the other person. And I think a lot of the times if it's a good friend and it's someone who's worth having in your life, they will be like, oh yeah, absolutely we can do that and it'll all just work out. I think it can be a little bit tough when you have people that are really committed to the bit, so to speak, of their lifestyle and if you guys just really aren't matching, then what I really like to do is sort of just 
ease them out slowly. Like I had said kind of before, I just plan other things with other people so that I'm more busy and I just don't have time to see them and then I can see them once a month or I can sort of just let that die out. I just find that sometimes people notice that and then they confront me and then I don't really like having to deal with that so I usually will go the way of, hey, can we do this instead as opposed to going out. From personal experience, I find that turning it back towards yourself is always the easiest way to set a boundary and for the most part people understand. I did want to say here, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but just because we're not people pleasing and we're setting boundaries doesn't mean we're going to be a bad friend if people need us. Like your friends are going to be going through some shit sometimes and they're going to need you to be there 24-7 and being a good friend is doing that, is showing up, is putting in the work because friendships are so important and with the right friendships, it'll always come Come back to you. Not that we're being good friends just so it comes back to us, but we're just watering the plants that are going to feed us. That's like a friendship. It's watering a beautiful plant, letting it flourish and bloom and grow fruit that we can eat. And that's why you have to be there for your friends when they need you. I just wanted to note that. Okay, next on my list, I have not compromising on your standards. So, this is something that's really interesting because I don't think I had standards. For a long time. Like, I kind of had standards where I was like, I won't put up with this and I will put up with this, but I never had conscious standards. I think the villain era is really about defining things for ourselves. And one of the things we have to be defining is our standards. So, for me, I have certain standards like I like to go to bed by 11.30 during the week. That's like a standard. I like to make sure I'm drinking enough water. That's a standard. I like to make sure my room doesn't turn into a disgusting pigsty. That's a standard. Just things that make me feel good. And those are standards that are mostly just for myself that are pretty easy to do, but I've written them down because doing that and having it in writing in my little journal makes it easier for me to look at my room and the clothes piling up all over the floor and actually clean them because that's a standard that I've set for myself and somehow writing it down makes me feel more accountable to uphold my standards and I find when I'm upholding all my standards I feel a lot better. Another example of a standard is I like to work out at least three times a week. So if I'm getting really really busy for one week and I miss my workouts that's totally fine but if I'm doing it two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row, that's not okay. I'm compromising on my standard and I'm gonna feel like shit because of it. And our standards can change. They can be fluid standards but I think it would be really helpful for all of us to write down our standards for at least like until Christmas and try to uphold them. Another way that these standards impact us are in relationships with others. So, for example, I have a standard where I do not tolerate people lying. I really don't like it when people lie, whether it's for attention or whether it's just because, like, some people are truly just, like, liars, pathological liars. And I do really think it comes down to an attention thing. I think it comes down to a need for always having something crazy to share and, like, life doesn't work that way. Like, sometimes nothing is going on but they need the attention so bad that they have to make something up almost. I don't know. It's really crazy to me how some people lie, but a standard of mine is just not tolerating that. I absolutely will not tolerate you if you lie to me. And it makes it really easy when we have these relationship standards to not let people into our lives 
which I find is easier than then having to set a boundary once they're already ingrained into our lives. Like, it's much easier to sort of not become someone's friend or cut something off or just remain distant from a person when we know they don't meet our standards than it is to realize, oh shit, someone is not meeting my standards. They are compromising my boundaries, but I see them every day. Now, what do I do? So, I don't know. I think everybody has to sort of set their own standards, but some that I like is one, like I said, the lying. Two, I need people to be understanding. This is mostly my friendships, but also in my relationships. You need to be able to be understanding of the fact that I am not going to text you back all the time. I just won't. It's just too overwhelming for me, like I said. It really makes me anxious, especially after I've gone off my antidepressants. It's just not something that I can do, and especially because I do the social media stuff now, I just don't want to look at my phone, and I absolutely love my friends, but I just don't want to feel like I need to sit on my phone for three extra hours every day replying to everyone having a full-on conversation. So those are some of my standards. You can absolutely set your own. Even some light standards can be, I don't want a friend who's going to try to get with someone that I've already been with. I feel like it's very easy to not do that, you know? I mean, maybe if you really think that this is the person that you could marry, I get it. But if I've had a really serious relationship with someone, I just don't want my friends to also have a serious relationship with them right away, or at least come to me about it. That's a standard that I have. I could do a whole episode on different standards if you guys want, but set your own standards and write them down. I'm very big, if you haven't noticed, on writing things down because it's just a lot easier, like I'd said before, to then live up to them. If they're not written down, they're sort of wishy-washy, very easy to not do, and then all of a sudden, your room is a mess. Everybody that you surround yourself with is sucking the life out of you like a dementor and you don't know where you went wrong. I'm here to tell you, you didn't write it down, okay? The next point I have on my list is getting what you want. The villain era is about getting what you want. It's about laying down the foundation and the building blocks to have an amazing glow up because we are focusing on ourselves, we're focusing on what we want, and we're focusing on how we're gonna get there. So a big part for me of getting what I want is manifesting. I have manifested every single good thing that has ever come into my life. I probably also manifested every single bad thing that's come into my life. Life, but that's an episode for another time. So I have a lot of content on TikTok about how to manifest, but some things I like to do are I meditate. I do a 15-minute Joe Dispenza meditation every single morning. I think actually it's 20 minutes, and Joe Dispenza guided meditations, if you've never tried them, they're free on YouTube, and they're very good for manifesting. He basically first makes you do all these breathing exercises to get you kind of into a state of calm, and then he will tell you, picture your future as you want it to be and feel the emotions it feels when you were living this future life and step into this future now. And that's kind of how I really like to manifest. So I do the meditations in the morning and at night, ideally both times, but at least once. And then I also will do my manifestation journaling at night. What I do with this is I write down my day as though it was the perfect day, as though all of my dreams came true. So if I'm trying to manifest a new place, 
this. I will write down things from my day that actually happened. So I woke up, my feet hit the ground of my beautiful polished wood apartment because that's the kind of apartment that I want. I brushed my teeth, which is actually what I did in the morning. I looked into my vanity. It's this beautiful gold carved vanity and I saw the reflection of my huge claw foot tub in it and I just smiled because I'm so happy that I was able to buy this new apartment for myself. It is my dream apartment in this city and I'm absolutely obsessed with it. After I brushed my teeth, I went and I made this for breakfast and I will write down what I actually ate for breakfast so that there's elements of truth to the journaling but there's also fantastical dreams that I'm saying are also true and that kind of tricks your brain into thinking that the dreams are true because you're also adding actual true elements from your day if that makes sense and doing this has truly given me every dream that I've ever had it's crazy like you can do this with a boyfriend you can do this with a career you can do this with a house you can do this with a dog you can do it with anything big or small and you can do it with multiple things at once I really try not to do this for too long every night like I don't need a novel of my manifestations but some days I will write a whole page some days I'll do it for five minutes but doing any little bit at all trains your brain into thinking that that life that dream is actually possible and when your brain thinks something is possible it makes it much easier for that to become your reality because your reality is defined by you and what is possible is only possible because you believe it is, if that makes sense. So you will never achieve something that you think is out of your depth the same way that what will happen to you are the things that you believe can happen. So I really like that manifestation practice. I also like the visualization, like I said, for the meditation. And I think the most important part when you're doing any of this is feeling the emotion. I can kind of be like extremely overly emotional, but also very emotionally detached. Like I can be very emotionally detached from my joy sometimes. And so what I really try to do when I'm doing these visualization exercises is I feel the feeling that I would feel if I had that dream apartment or if I was on that dream date with that dream person and the Joe Dispenza meditation is what taught me that and once I started feeling the feelings and slowing down and really letting myself feel that joy, my manifestation started coming true so quickly and I will tell you guys, I was meditating once in front of my boyfriend and I have my eyes closed when I meditate and I was trying to picture my future and I was trying to feel all the feelings and be so joyful and my boyfriend was kind of like, why are you smiling like that? What's wrong? Like, he he thought something was wrong with me. He's like, what is wrong with you? Why are you smiling like a creep? And I was like, I'm trying to feel the joy, okay? shut up. So it might feel kind of ridiculous at first. It might look kind of ridiculous at first. It works, okay? Just trust me on that. Definitely do it. I can link my manifestations that I do on Instagram for you guys too if you want. I feel like that would be the easiest way for you to find them. Okay, next we're talking about editing our space because we need to be ruthlessly editing our life. That's kind of what all of this is about. It's about editing your life so that you can then make room for all the good new things. And editing our space is extremely important. For me, I am not a clean freak. I am not an organized mess. I am simply a mess. My room is a mess. My bathroom is a mess. My closet is usually actually pretty clean. I don't know why, but I'm very much a freak about keeping my closet organized, but maybe it's because all my clothes are on the floor, you know? And unfortunately, my mom, who's been telling me this since 
I was probably three years old, is right. If your space is cluttered, your mind will be cluttered. If your mind is cluttered, your life will be cluttered. You need to be editing your space and you need to be keeping it clean. And I find the best way to keep my space clean is to not have a ton of stuff. I accumulate stuff like no other. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how it gets here, but I just do. And so I have to implement a little bit of structure so that I don't end up on an episode of hoarders. And this is where the editing comes in. I think as girls, we tend to accumulate a lot of clothes, a lot of skincare, and a lot of makeup. So that's what I'm going to focus on here. First, clothes. Seasonally, you need to be editing your closet. If you did not wear it last year, give it away. We all have those clothes that we know just don't quite fit us right. And they're beautiful, and they're made well, and we bought them for a lot of money, but they don't look good on us. Give them away. Make room for some clothes that do look good. It is not a waste of money for you to give it away. It might have been a waste of money for you to keep it, but it's done now and it is a waste of so much more than money if you keep it in your closet and you let yourself let it take up space because not only do you not have room for something new, but you also feel like crap every time you see it. I have so many clothes like this that I thought were going to work so well on me that I just never wear. And maybe once in a blue moon do I actually end up wearing the clothes in the future, but most of the time they sit and they sit and they sit until I give them away. Donating is good. We're being in our villain era, but we are giving back, okay? And we're going to donate our clothes that we no longer want, that no longer fit us, that never looked good on us, so that we can make room for new, better clothes. The same thing goes for skincare. If you bought something and it breaks you out, even if you've seen it on TikTok and all of the skincare girlies rave about it, or all of the makeup girlies love it, if it doesn't work for you, give it to Goodwill. I think you can do that. I think you can give makeup to Goodwill. Otherwise, I guess you have to throw it out, which is also fine. Actually, I guess I wouldn't give it to Goodwill if you've used it. We don't need clutter of things that don't work for us, that we're never going to use, that are sitting around weighing us down. I honestly believe that everything has a vibration of energy, whether it's clothes, makeup, skincare, anything. And if you keep low vibe things around you, you will feel low vibe. So edit your stuff. Marie Kondo that shit. If it doesn't bring you joy, it's done. It's out. And give yourself a little reward at the end. I am very much motivated by little rewards. I would be very easy to train if I was a dog, I tell you. But I think that taking the time to slow down and be proud of ourselves is something that a lot of the times we don't do. So tell yourself, hey, if I organize my whole closet this week or this month, I get to buy something new. And you can give yourself a budget for it. It can even be an item that is a little more expensive. Whatever you have the means to afford. For me, I really want want this 437 jumpsuit. So after I'm done going through my closet, I will buy it for myself. Another add-on to this is the clothes that need to be tailored. You have a month to take them to the tailor. If you don't, you give them away. I don't know why, but it is so hard for me to get up and get my clothes tailored. And I really should do it because I have all these clothes that are beautiful that I just need to tailor. So this is me lighting a fire under my own ass and doing it for you as well. Take those clothes to the tailor or give them away, okay? Another thing, broken stuff, broken hangers, broken jewelry, broken anything. You don't need it. Throw it out. Give it to Goodwill. Edit your space. Again, low vibe things making you feel low vibe. Okay, next up on our list is working out. Now, working out can be sort of touchy, I feel like, for people because everybody has a different kind of boundary and expectation for themselves when it comes to working out. 
I can go through a workout routine that I do for me, but it might not work for you. I just think that we need to be moving our bodies in some way in our villain era in order to feel like our best, most bad bitch selves. I don't know if it's just me, but like I said when I was talking about walking earlier, if I'm not moving my body, I do not feel good about my body. And it's not so much looking for a physical difference as it is feeling a mental difference. And so I like to commit to a workout practice. If you are new to working out, it could even be once a week going to a yoga class or doing a dance workout or going to the gym with your friend or walking on the treadmill or walking outside or running stairs in your apartment. Anything. Just commit to some form of activity at least once a week and I promise you, you will see a difference in your mental health, in how you view your body, in your confidence. Moving your body will only elevate your life, okay? So, just do something. Buy yourself a new workout outfit and a new pair of shoes and just get after it. You will feel like a brand new person. Next is figuring out your personal style. So, we're going to be leaning into how we feel and we're going to be trying new things. The villain era is a very intuitive era, okay? So, if you feel your best in ballerina core inspired pink outfits, you live your best ballerina life. If you feel your best dressing like a Patagonia model, you do that. If you feel your best dressing more goth, you go and you buy all of the black things that you can find. Um, this isn't actually about buying things, by the way. You can use what you have in your closet. Remember, all of your items should just bring you joy now, so that's a win. But I find that personal style can really bring confidence. It can really bring comfortability in your own skin and I think it's something that really eludes some people. Like, people just don't know how to have their personal style and I think it's because we spend a lot more time looking outwards instead of reaching inwards. Remember how I said in the beginning that the villain era was more about being internal as opposed to external? This is sort of going to play a role here. So, when you're thinking about your personal style, what I want you to do is I want you to stop looking on Instagram, on Pinterest, on TikTok for style inspiration. That can come later. You have probably seen 150,000 hours worth of style content in your life. You know what you like. First, you need to sit and you almost need to meditate on it. You almost need to like light some candles, drink a glass of wine, and do almost a vision board. Or for me, I don't like to cut out pictures, but I like to write down just what style means to me and what I feel good in. And you get really comfortable and familiar with yourself and lay out all of the different things, styles that make you feel good. I almost think like a mind map okay? Take yourself back to elementary school and make a mind map of it. And for me, I would write down things like hair bows. I would write down things like braids. I would write down things like oversized sweaters. I would write down sweat sets. I would write down chunky sneakers. I would write down headbands. I would write dad t-shirts and camo and pink. I love the color pink, the color light blue. I would write down the color red because I've really been leaning into red lately. I would write down the color gray because it is the softest, coziest color. So, now that I've given you a little bit of an idea of what to do, I want you to sit down with your glass of wine one night and do it for yourself. Write a mind map down of everything that makes you feel good, every sort of fashion, trend, inspiration, color, material that makes you feel like the baddest bitch out there. And after you do that, when you have your list, you are allowed to go on Pinterest, on Instagram, on TikTok, 
to look at your specific aesthetic that you've created. So, if you wrote down leather, you can go on Pinterest and look up all leather outfit or leather skirt outfit. Or if you wrote down plaid and you wrote down mini skirt, you can go and look up plaid mini skirt outfit. Pinterest is really good for this because it's so easy to just find inspo as opposed to Instagram where I feel like it's much more about idolizing the person as opposed to looking at the outfit. And doing this will really help you, one, edit your closet and two, figure out what you need to buy, if anything. And three, figure out who you are, which I think the villain era is about. We need to be able to really get intimate with ourselves and what makes us feel like a bad bitch so that we can project bad bitch energy outwards. That's what I did when it came to my personal style and I also just sort of experimented with different things and some of them worked and some of them didn't. And the best way to do it is to just try new things. I think that sometimes too, we feel like we have to put ourselves in a box. Like you can't love leather and black and also love Barbie colors at the same time, but that's just not true. One of the main reasons I love to be a girl is because you can be a new aesthetic every single day and you can play dress up every single day and it's awesome how clothes and makeup and accessories can make you feel like a new person. I think that having a bunch of high quality basics that you can reuse and reuse is super important, but I think that having fun different pieces of different like styles is totally okay. Like you can have the ballerina ribbons and you can also have the leather skirt and eventually you will have all of your little interests morph into one unique style that is completely your own and that's when you'll feel your best. I love all my clothes now and I don't even really know how I would describe my style but it's just so me and so niche and that is what I want for all of you guys. Okay, I'm scrolling down in my list. Next, I wrote down become more self-sufficient and self-fulfilled. So, what I mean by this is we absolutely need to lean on people in our lives. It's human to want to look to your friendships and look to your relationships to fulfill you. And I don't think that we need to be alone, but if you think of any villain in any movie, they sort of do stand on their own a little bit. And I think everybody could benefit from taking that energy and adding it to your life. Especially if you're someone who considers yourself to be a relationship person or someone who is an extrovert. I think it's very easy to get caught up in relying on other people to bring us things like happiness. And that can be a slippery slope because at some point you need to lean into yourself. Samantha Jones in Sex in the City really said it best. She said, the relationship with myself is the one I'm gonna have for the rest of my life. So that's the one I'm gonna work on. And I think that's really what comes into play here. Honestly, Samantha Jones has some fucking iconic quotes. You guys should definitely look them up. But basically, we just wanna be working on becoming more self-sufficient and more fulfilled by ourselves. So, the basics of this would be like make your own money and learn how to feed yourself, okay? I know not every one of us is going to be a Michelin star chef, but if you learn how to cook basic things, your self-confidence is going to go up. Making food for yourself is honestly a ritual and a form of self-love in my opinion. And you can even start with baking Pillsbury cookies from the grocery store. It really doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be the act of doing something for yourself, going out, buying them, creating something delicious for you to eat. 
and it will make you feel so fucking fulfilled. You will feel like the baddest bitch for being able to make a little meal and provide for you. Even things like furnishing your apartment, buying little candles for yourself, going out and taking yourself on a date, going to a movie alone. I did this recently and it was so scary to me, but I was so happy after. I really felt like the most untouchable, baddest bitch in the whole world. So my challenge for you guys is anything that you feel like you need to do with someone else, do it alone. And I just can't even explain to you the impact that this is going to make on your life. So for me, it was a movie. For you, it might be taking yourself out to a fancy restaurant for dinner or going to a pumpkin patch or going to a dance class. Anything that you feel like you're terrified to do alone, do it just fucking do it and you will be so happy and proud of yourself and you will love yourself so much and you can obviously do them with friends but just one time in your life do it alone i may never go see a movie alone again i probably will because it's actually one of the most fun things to do alone i saw barbie alone and it was fantastic but now that i've done it once i can say that i've done it you know and there's power in that another thing that kind of ties into this that i wrote down is hobbies so i want you guys to start one new hobby that's it just one just one new hobby for the fall it could be that you want to get into reading it could be that you want to get into needlepoint it could be that you want to get into painting or dancing or singing or horseback riding I have recently leaned into horseback riding again. I've started taking lessons. I used to ride horses all the time when I was younger. I actually show jumped. I competed and I haven't done it in so long and doing it has brought something out in me that I just don't even know how to explain. It makes me so incredibly happy. I'm paying for it myself. I'm driving myself. I'm going. I'm riding. I'm learning. It's so much fucking fun and it's all about me. Like, I want you guys to do a hobby that's all about you, that makes you so happy, that lights you up, and I promise you, you will find one. Just try a few of them, see what sticks, because it's really, it's all about that being self-fulfilled. It's all about that doing things for you. I've made videos about the halo effect and the fact that hot people have hobbies because when you have a full life of things that you are passionate about, you will glow. You will radiate that happy, confident energy and it's like the ultimate aphrodisiac, first of all. It's so attractive. If you're trying to find a partner, just lean into yourself more and they will come to you. Trust me. Okay, the last thing that I have written down on my list is quiet luxury, quiet confidence, Sophia Richie aesthetic. I think this is the ultimate ascended version of the villain era. That quiet luxury that I am such a bad bitch that I don't even need to be loud or braggy about it. I don't need to be entitled. I'm just doing me. It's like old money vibes. You're just so unbothered that you don't have to prove it to anyone. Because I feel like the people who are like, I'm just so unbothered, I just don't care about anything, I'm just really living my life, I'm doing me, I'm just so happy. It's like, are you? Are you happy? Because you've spent the last 10 minutes explaining to me how happy you are without actually explaining to me why you're so happy. And like, I believe you, but the more you talk about it, the less I believe you. It's the same as like if you were to see someone dressed in head-to-toe designer, like a Gucci belt, a Louis Vuitton bag, Prada sunglasses, and it's all just like 
in-your-face designer. It's almost like, okay, we get it. You have a lot of money, but it's so aggressive that it is almost like not desirable. It's almost a turnoff. It's like an ick because it's so in-your-face and aggressive. Whereas if we saw someone with just a simple Birkin, I'm like a simple Birkin as though I have one. But if you just see someone in like a simple outfit with one designer piece or an understated piece of jewelry that's really high quality, it's way more attractive. Like that's who I want to be. I don't want to be the person in head-to-toe designer. Even though I want to be able to afford head-to-toe designer, I don't want to be so in your face about it. It's that quiet luxury and confidence that screams villain era to me. It screams success. So I sort of want you to emulate that in your day-to-day life. The other piece about not bragging is the fact that I do think you have to be careful who you tell your plans to and who you talk about your goals and your dreams and your successes to. Not necessarily because people are like jealous or they're going to want to tear you down, but because you should just protect your energy a little bit. But also it's just just more cool and more villainy to like keep your plans to yourself. Like the villain of the movie is not giving people a heads up of like, hey, I'm going to blow up your castle tomorrow at noon. So be ready. I'll be there. They're just going to go do it, you know? And that's what I want you to do. I mean, don't blow anything up, but that's what I want you to do with your success. Like just go out and do it. Be so confident. Be so quiet and then just impress everybody. Like that is so hot in my opinion. So yeah, that's my list. I hope you guys liked it. I feel like it was pretty good. I mean, I I don't know. These are the things that I'm going to be working on. Like I said, I'm not an expert obviously. So if they don't work for you, don't do them. But if they do work for you, let me know. I really, really hope you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast. I am actually having so much fun making it. Aside from the fact that editing it will be the absolute death of me, it is so much more complicated than editing a TikTok. I enjoy it so much. I enjoy talking. It's coming a lot more natural to me than I thought it would, which is really fun. And this was a topic that I was just so excited about. I've been wanting to talk about how to have a villain era for so long and I am going to make a little get ready with me TikTok. It's probably going to come out before this podcast episode or at the same time. So if you're coming from the TikTok, hello, how are you? I'm glad you're here. But my TikTok is going to be much less explanatory and much more just to the point kind of. So if you like that, you can go watch the TikTok. I think I might do a get ready with me style. I don't know. I like get ready with me style TikToks sometimes and I rarely do them. So I think that's kind of my plan. Another thing that I kind of talked about in my first podcast that I want to do is I want to do Ask Mick episodes. So I am going to put in the podcast description Google Forms for you guys and I'm also going to have them in my link tree so that you can get them from my Instagram or my TikTok and in the Google Forms I would love it if you guys would submit your questions to me so that I can compile them for an Ask Mick episode that I could do monthly because I think that would just be really fun and we could talk more. It could be like we're going out for dinner or happy hour or mocktails. I hate the word mocktails. As someone who doesn't want to drink, I very much struggle because I will not call it a mocktail, but it's not fun to call it like an apple juice at the same time, you know, like we're not seven. So if you think of a better word for the word mocktail, also submit that to the question box and I will take it into account when I'm talking about my fun little mocktails. Ew. So I think that's everything, guys. I think we've really rounded this out well. 
and I'm so excited to see your guys' feedback. I guess this is the part where I should say if you want to rate the podcast, please do. I hope that I'm going to be able to get this onto Apple Podcasts. I know it'll be on Spotify, so just bear with me, okay? It's a, it's a learning curve. We're doing our best, and yeah, that's all. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of your support. This is very cheesy to say, and I feel like everybody says it, but I want you to know that I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. If you are listening to this, if you support me, if you follow me, I love you. I am so grateful for you. You enable me to live out my dream, and that means the world to me, and I really hope that I can provide you with some semblance of value and hopefully a little bit of entertainment. So yeah, I love you guys so much. Thank you again. I will see you next week. Bye guys.